The following is a Live the Dream Media production. Hello and welcome to the Faith Family Schools podcast with your host Christopher DeSimone. Hey everybody, welcome back to our latest episode of Faith Family Schools. Remember you can follow along at Faith Family Schools. Dot com That'll get you to everywhere between our YouTube channel, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And today I want to spend a little bit of time, we talk about America's road back, faith, family, and schools. When we talked to our friend Joe Higgins in another episode, we kind of talked a little bit of how we got here. But I want to do a little historical perspective today, and I want to talk about a guy named Sid Herlong. I think I bet you've never heard of Sid Herlong, unless you're, of course, with the Herlong family. So Sid was an American lawyer and politician from Florida who served 10 times in the House of Representatives from 1949 to 1969, and he was a member of the Democrat Party. And you're like, well, Chris, why are we talking about Sid Herlong? When I first heard his name, I thought he was an old-time baseball player for the Detroit Tigers, but he's not. But... One of the things he's most known for is the um, he was so he was elected in '49, but he's noted for his uh, anti-communist advocacy. Okay, and in January 10th, at the request of one of his constituents, a Patricia Nordman, he read into the congressional record a list of 45 goals from a book by a guy named W. Cleon Skusen called The Naked Communist. Now, I'm not here to do a whole communist thing right now uh, or soft socialism or how it bleeds into society or government or all these things, but I want to talk to you is I want to talk about some of the 40 – I'm not going to do all 45. You can still hang on. We won't tell all 45. But what's interesting about it was when you look at the stuff that we're talking about that was read into the record in the 63 – and my argument is with the road back faith, family, and schools, you can see that uh, that deterioration or infiltration, some people might say, of various institutions that started probably 50, 50 to 55 years ago. And that part, that part of history between the late 60s and early 70s, we had so many things going on that were so game-changing in what goes on in society, right? We had the great reform of LBJ. We had Roe v. Wade. We had um, uh, we had birth control on demand. We had um, oh the EPA under Richard Nixon. We had the opening of China. We had the anti-war sentiment breaking into lots of protests. We had the distrust of government at an all-time high. All these things happened in that late 60s, early 70s. And for me, I feel that the places that we talk about, the institutions of education, K-12 plus the university system, we have a different ver- variety of churches. And then at the same time, what was going down in um, in just uh, while well, we talked about faith, family, schools. Um, and then, of course, the deterioration of the family and the idea that it was okay that the two parent, the two parent family, the the couple that stayed married through their entire life. This was becoming scarcer and scarcer, and it all kind of starts 
in that late 70s, late 60s, early 70s. So some of you have heard this before. Some of you have not. But when you read it, and I'm going to go through some of the main points and how it plays back to America's road back, family, faith, family, and schools. But let's just start. So number one was capture one or both of the political parties. You make <laughs> you make your, your, your own decision based on um, your personal experience or whatever your registration is as a voter on how do you think both parties are doing. And some people think they kind of resemble each other sometimes. Um, number two. Remember, this is from 1963, so I just want to do my, my, my math right. That is exactly 60 years ago. Get control of schools and teachers associations and soften the curriculum. Well, so the teachers' unions, and we're going to have this discussion a lot. I, I don't know why, and we had this discussion with Matt from the Goldwater Institute I, all I see is that their number one goal is to have as many members as possible so they can collect dues and then throw some weight around during elections or support people who want what they want. If your union is supposed to protect the teachers, give them a safe environment, high pay, and hopefully what they're doing is benefit the end customer, which is students and parents, I would say the teachers union on that part has been a failure. And I see unions that are too infiltrated in local school districts, and we're in Tucson, Arizona, where the ones that seem to have the most infiltration into how the place operates actually perform the worst. And one of them is Tucson Unified School District here in Tucson. If you look up their uh, their reading and math uh, uh, levels of being at level for their age, they're sub-20% for an entire school district of 35,000 kids. Um, Number four, infiltrate the press. Now, again, I'm not saying (laughs) – it's what I'm really talking about, it's almost like a blueprint of what did happen. Now, am I saying that socialists infiltrated it? I don't know. But what I do know is the press has fallen apart and embarrassed itself over the last – Probably since Clinton, they've had their issues. I'm not saying they've been perfect, but I think when Bill Clinton redefined the word is during the whole Lewinsky scandal and a bunch of them went along with it because he was a Democrat that they really liked, I think that's where the cracks really, really started showing. And all I'm asking for is journalists to play it straight, no matter what their political their political affiliation is. We have a great guy that we talked to on my radio show, which is called Wake Up Tucson. His name is Dan Shearer. He's the editor of the Green Valley News. They do regional newspapers. But he's also the editorial director of, I think, probably 30, 40 newspapers across the country. And I've interviewed him every other week for probably 12 years. And you know something? I don't know if he's a Republican or a Democrat from his reporting or even how he talks to me on the air. Now, if we had a beer, it might be different. But when he's talking in public as a member of the journalistic society, you don't know what he is. Well, when when you're looking at news out there, friends and family, do you know the MSNBC or Fox reporter, which way they lean? It's getting a little obvious. So... And again, Donald Trump blew their brains apart. They, they, and, and he was the perfect example of they gave him so they gave him 
I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars of free press when he ran for office. Oh, it's a celebrity. It's a celebrity apprentice guy because they never thought he was going to win. But once he won, they hated him and they really started um, slanting the news, the way they emphasize things. You got to watch for these things. Also, the sin of omissions also huge. When you, I, I've, I've grown up now that I look at what they don't say or who they don't talk to in a story and you can obviously see which way they want the story to go. So infiltr- the press is part of our problem here. And again, they're, they're part of that culture. And the problems that we see is things are downstream from culture and the press and how they report or how they don't report influences that. Um, well, number five was gain key positions in radio, TV, and pictures, meaning motion pictures. Remember, this is 1963. So how do you feel about Hollywood in the last 40, 50 years? Does Hollywood feel like this is what's, uh, what's going on in the world? Do you feel like they're, uh, they're someone who wants to help on the road back? And it's been great to see various creators break out of that, whether it's musicians or look at the awesome success of The Chosen talking i mean if you told me oh there's going to be a drama uh streaming or otherwise about the life of jesus and uh, millions of people were going to watch it and crowdsource it and all that i'd be like oh is that really happening well you know something it did happen and the amount of people watching the chosen and now it's so big that you know the uh, the cw folks are running it every sunday night on broadcast television so that seems like a mild win for the road back um, what else do we got here? We have, now remember, I'm not doing all 45. I respect your time. The, um, eliminate all laws governing obscenity by calling them censorship and a violation of free speech and press. So let's just talk about, well, we know about what's going on in, in entertainment with obscenity, but at the same time, let's look at violation of free speech and press. Look at the coronavirus situation. Look how many people, including prominent doctors, who were shut down because it did not agree with the government narrative. And I always go back to, with this one, the Great Barrington Declaration with doctors Jay Batakaira from Stanford, and then there was another one from Oxford. I keep forgetting their names, my apology. And the other one from Harvard. So all three of them get all of these thousands of people, and these guys are guys and gals are the leaders in their field when it comes to infectious diseases. And they came out early and they said, look, don't lock down the healthy. Let's look at hydroxychloroquine, all the things that could help. And they were shut down. They should have been on every news ever. I mean, you couldn't find three better experts in this field. And you couldn't find them out there. Or when they were, they brought Dr. Fauci or one of these folks on to say, oh, those people are nuts. And if you look at the resumes of those three people, and all, uh, there's so many other people out there that I can go through, but uh, the, the First amend- Amendment took quite a whooping in the last few years. And this is, again, this is not, uh, this is not a, a sign of a great progressing society. Uh, what else do we got here? Number nine, infiltrate churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. (sighs) 
so I'm a I'm a cradle Catholic, originally from New York. I always kid on the air that the Catholic Church is, you know, always attempting to kick me out of the church. Um, but this social religion, and I always saw it in Catholic Church. Whenever I saw a priest talking about Catholic social justice, this seemed to be a kind of a way of going around church teachings and just going with the feel-good kind of socialistic way of talking about Jesus. And I, I saw it more, and I see it more to this day. And what I feel like in the Catholic Church, and we're going to talk to faith leaders of all types and people who you know, go to these churches, what attracts them, what makes them feel like they're a part of God's humanity? Is it better to have the, the, the social justice version of Jesus, or is it the one in revealed religion that has the loving Jesus, and at the same time, you know, Jesus did kick the uh, tax collectors out of the temple, right? And so when I saw that, when you saw about replace revealed religion with social religion, you're kind of like, well, that's interesting. Remember, this is 60 years ago. Discredit the American Constitution by calling it inadequate or old-fashioned. This is 60 years ago. So a lot of our brothers and sisters um, on the left, I don't like, I'm going to try to say on the left more and saying, I'm going to say they're Democrat because there's really, there's some Democrats out there that they feel that the party has left them or the leftists out there have taken it off into a whole other uh, country that they don't know what, what's going on there. So they stay quiet usually. But when we look at the American Constitution, and you talk to these people, you hear them talk about the Constitution, I feel like um, they think it's a workaround. Oh, it's an antiquated document by some old white slave owners. It doesn't really apply anymore. And you know something? The guys who came together and founded the country and they also helped build and ratify this thing called the Constitution – they had a lot of lessons from Europe. Whether they were part of the lessons that came out of Europe or they were pretty learned guys who saw what was working, what wasn't working. Let's take, you would always say, let's take the best parts of what we see and build something new out of it, right? And that's what I like about um, when we talk about the Constitution is, yes, it has to be applied to the modern world, but at the same time, when you read those things, and you have to read them carefully, everyone thinks they know what's in the Constitution. And of course, one of the bigger ones is the Second Amendment, where it already says that it's a right that shall not be infringed, not that the government gives you anything. I have a good friend of ours who has a show on our station named Charles Heller, and he always asks people running for office, what's the stated purpose of government in the Arizona Constitution? And it's, and it's always that the elected official is there to protect the rights of their citizens. So think about that. Think about right now what's going on in Congress, your state legislature, your county, your city, your town, your village, wherever you live. How many of your elected officials do you feel like are there that they know and live that their primary goal as an elected official is to protect your rights from them? And if we start, that's something we need to teach. I'm not even talking about just teaching our kids in elementary school or high school. I'm talking about, I don't know, elected officials that control 
hundreds of millions of dollars and Congress, of course, it's trillions of dollars. But if we really, if we had a, a critical mass of those folks, all the silliness that happened during Corona lockdowns would have never happened. Number 11, I already touched this a little bit, discredit the American founding fathers as selfish aristocrats and racists, right? We've seen it. Look, look at the tearing down of history in the last, probably since, probably the last three or four years. I mean, we're not just tearing down statues of Robert E. Lee. I mean, we had th some of these woke organizations or schools say, oh, we're going to get rid of Abraham Lincoln. What? You mean the guy who pushed the Emancipation Proclamation through? The guy who sacrificed hundreds of thousands of lives in the American Revolution? Sorry, the American Civil War? To free slaves? Somehow he's not cool enough? Or he's not right enough or woke enough? So when I see this 60 years ago discredited American founding fathers... I mean, they're trying to discredit Abe Lincoln. I feel like that's a loser out there with the American public. Back to the press. Um, belittle American culture and discourage the teaching of American history. So I, I see it here. So Tucson, Arizona is a liberal petri dish of a lot of bad ideas. Okay, Margaret Sanger, the mother of Planned Parenthood, eugenics and, you know, Let's not have a let's not have too many black children babies and stuff. That's she 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 did some growing up in Tucson here uh, on her on her doctrine. But the other one is uh, we've had what we call Mexican American studies, and I'm fine with teaching Mexican American experience as part of your your education. But at the same time, what they would do is they were replacing. This is this is this is real. Replacing the need for American history by taking Mexican-American studies, which eventually the state legislature made illegal, but it's a big kerfuffle. So well, so here's the other thing, right? So they had a Mexican-American studies, Asian-American studies, and African-American studies, but only Mexican-American studies was able to replace American history. The other two were um, electives. So I've seen it firsthand, the idea that, no, I want, I want accurate American history taught. I don't want it glossed over or anything. That's not what I'm asking. But what I'm saying is now it seems like the American history curriculum in some schools is America is always the bad guy. America was never great. I don't know if you guys remember that Pete Buttigieg, who's now the Transportation Secretary, when he was running for president, briefly, he literally said the phrase, America was never great, which is insulting to the sacrifices and experience of hundreds of millions of Americans. Insulting. 13, discredit and dismantle the FBI. <laughs> now, what I'm saying here, why I'm going through this list is I'm not telling you that I think socialists, or maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't really have too too much of proof. But what it's the coincidence that all of these things that were stated 60 years ago are kind of happening in certain parts of our country. Look at the FBI. 
look how they have soiled themselves in the last few years, several years. And part of it was the uh, two lifelong bureaucrats that are there are too long. That's always a big problem. And their bad behavior during the Trump years and basically keep pushing all these narratives that were found out in the end never to be true, but they were there to keep hurting Trump. There's a, there's a certain portion of our world out there that just in, in government that hated Trump. When Trump ran for office, my, my take was you were dropping a Donald Trump bomb on a long established bureaucracy and 535 people that make up Congress that have gotten us into all the trouble that we've gotten into. Both, both parties. I mean, we just celebrated $33 trillion of debt. Well, that number is pretty, pretty scary. But what happens is the average American hears $33 trillion and they glaze over and they go, uh, honey, when's that senior version of The Bachelor happening? Can we watch that instead of talking about $33 trillion in debt? Um, now, this one is really scary because um, we talk about transfer some powers of arrest from the police. I have a friend uh, who's here in the studio who's a former policeman. Transfer some of the powers of arrest from police to social agencies. Treat behavioral problems as mental health or social problems. Well, that one's kind of right on the nose, kids. We're talking ever since the, the, George, the George Floyd killing definitely brought this all to the forefront. But think about this. We have this is 60 years ago and says transfer powers of arrest from police to social agencies. How many of these big cities have done the oh we're going to we're not defunding the police, we're just going to have more social workers on the street. We just recently had that lady, I think she was in Seattle, the city councilwoman who was a defund the police, let's have more social agencies, who then got carjacked with her kids in the car and then's like, hmm I think I need some cops. So that one is so on the nose. And in, and in Tucson, where we're at, we're near the border. The fentanyl problem is off the wall. And we've been defunding the cops in Tucson for 14 years. So just for an example, we have a lot of flipped cars and car accidents in Tucson, which, again, it's all they, – and, and the local politicians will say, oh, it's, it's like that everywhere. We, I think we're a little worse, but – so just to tell you where we're at staffing-wise, we're supposed to have at least 50 motor cops in Tucson. We were down to five, but now we're up to 15. But for a while, we had five motor cops for a city of 220 square miles just because we want to, quote, defund the cops. But that one was like, oh, my God, that one's really on the nose. Now, this one's a, this one's a hoot. Discredit the family as an institution. Encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. Now, I'm not saying the socialists did this on, you know, like on their own. This was part of the whole thing. But think about this. Has the family as an institution degraded? Answer, yes. Do we have a society that encourages promiscuity? Yes. And we talk about easy divorce. Wow. Easy. This is... This is all happening. And so for me, if you literally look back at it, mom and dad and 2.4 kids living in a happy, stable environment is the stable 
building block of a society. And when we talked about what was going down in the late 60s, early 70s, right, and we talk about birth control, Roe v. Wade, abortion on demand, at the same time it was that stigma of the single mom was starting to degrade. Now I'm not here to insult the single mom, but what I'm saying is a lot of those single moms still wanted a, a, a still needed a male. And again, there's a lot of bad fathers. I mean, how many bad fathers walked out on their family? I think Dr. Laura calls them sperm donors, as we say. The I haven't talked about Dr. Laura in years. So, but that's where we're at, right? And then the government comes in. You have the Great Society in the late '60s hits, which is this huge increase of welfare benefits. And then we were saying, hey, it's okay to have kids out of wedlock, right? It's okay. Mother government will be there with lots of lots of bennies. And look where we've gotten to today. We got a lot of broken families. We got a lot of kids that, think about it, that have been raised by public schools. And as parents found out more of that, they're kind of saying, hold on. I don't know if I really want my kid raised by my K through 12 school. We see it all the time. And I think one of the blessings of lockdowns is parents figured out, oh my God, someone else has been raising my kid. And that's part of the road back. Faith family schools is we need to start building that family unit back together again. Because you know something, kids? It's tough out there. Life is tough. When you look right now at what's going on in the world, and we talk about inflation is off the wall, fentanyl and drugs on the street are off the wall, violence is off the wall. We just had a kid in Tucson. Check this story out. This will blow your mind. It should make national news. We'll see. 12-year-old kid who was Tucson Police Department said he was a person of interest uh, prior to this incident for violent felonies, 12-year-old, walks up on two dudes on a QT, quick trip, and shoots him, shoots at him. One guy shoots back at him, and what happens? The kid dies, and one of the guys die. This is a 12-year-old. Well, a 12-year-old like that, that's like a that's a feral child who probably had one of these broken family situations. And the effects of that are small, medium, and large. But again, I need, I need mom and dad, and I need 2.4 kids living a good family life, and America can be a lot better. Number 17, now again, I'm not going to do all of them. Emphasize the need to raise children away from the neg- – I, yeah, I didn't read this before. I should have said this both together. You're going to love this. Emphasize the needs to raise children away from the negative influence of their parents. Now, again, when I go through all this, I don't know. I'm not saying there's you know some international organization like Hydra from Captain America that's doing all this. All I'm saying is 60 years later, this is like a it's it's either a roadmap or it's the best Johnny Carson Karnak future telling you'll ever see. Cuz you know something? That's where we've gotten to. So again, you should check it out. It's there's 45 goals read into the congressional record by Congressman Albert Herlong. Uh, a Democrat out of Florida in 1963. The goals were gleaned from the testimony given to Congress by scholars and from writings of current and former communists. Now, again, I'm not here. I'm not saying that this is not a communism. Communism's got its own problems. But what I am saying is 
when you look at the road to where we're at, the road down the hill into the pit that we're at as a society, the road, you have to understand how we got there. And what I thought was this game plan really shows how we got there. And what we're going to do on this podcast is we're going to talk to the people out there that are not only going to we're not here just to say this sucks this sucks we're not we just that, that there's no fruitfulness out of that what i want is we're going to talk to people out there and introduce to you people from across the country that are going to point out a little bit of the problems with what's going on with the deterioration of faith the school experience and the family uh, unit but what are they doing to make this better the only way this gets better, there is no magic big thing coming out of Washington, D.C. You're going to keep hearing that. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, like I know a lot of my brothers and sisters in the Republican Party, I'm a registered Republican, I'm not here to hide anything from you. They think if we get both houses in the presidency, that's if you get 60 in the Senate, that somehow we're going to fix it like that. I would tell you because of the deterioration of these things that we talk about on this podcast and the culture that you're, there's a critical mass of humans who aren't ready to do any of this to make it better. So, you know, it's late September. We're going to have a big um, – we're still – we're doing the Groundhog's Day on the budget deal. We're going to close the government down. And I asked various Congress people on my show, Wake Up Tucson, that – can Congress solve this on their own, right? The, 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 the $33 trillion in debt and all of these things. And the answer comes back, no. All right. Sell the long-term way back, faith, family, schools, culture, and we all need to do it. I almost, I almost do like a Lord, little George W. Thousand points of light. I don't want to do that. That's a, we could do a whole story about thousand points of light. That's a problem. But I will tell you, it's all going to take all of us in our little corner of the world doing the work. So I'm telling you, yes, if you're actively in the political if you're active in the political world and you're working with candidates, great. I love it. Dennis Prager, uh, the national radio show host, he's on our station, says when it comes to election time, there's run there's people who run for office, there's people who help those who run for office, or there are people who do nothing. So let's just take this to where we're at in faith, family, and schools. So what I'm at telling you, my friends out there, are you going to be someone who's helping to fix faith, family, and schools? Are you going to help those who help, help fix faith, family, and schools? Or are you going to do nothing? The problem is I got too many people out there who are doing nothing. Now, the idea that you clicked on a podcast called Faith, Family, and Schools tells me you're in group one or group two. So how do you, if you're in group two, which is help those who fix family and schools, how do you do that? Well, very easily. You can stroke a check. Find these organizations out there, that, and we're going to introduce you, and send them some dough. If you think they're doing good work and they're worthy of your dollar and they are, are they're doing these things like we just had, uh, you'll, 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 you'll meet Matthew from the Goldwater Institute. They do public interest law. They do public interest uh, work in the kind of the thought sphere of all this stuff. Or there's a nonprofit charity that's doing good work or a church who's bringing it, right? A church who's preaching the revealed uh, message of, and of Christ or any. So here's the other thing. I'm, I'm a Catholic. 
I want our brothers and sisters in, in, the, in, in the Christian world, the Jewish world, and the Islamic world to come together with us and any other faith you're into because we need all of you to make this better. Because this assault on the family and church and what's going on in schools, you guys are in there with us. Look, recently, uh, a huge group of Islamic parents got pissed off in California because of the weirdness going on of what's being taught in their schools. And they said, man, this is kind of a front to our religion. So it's, it's a kumbaya moment between everybody, but I need all these people of all these experiences, fa- all different faiths, you are part of the solution. I need all of you to focus. Find one thing. Find that one thing that you can do to help your local school build up even your own family. Even if you do work on working on your own family, it's good. And then again, we got to pay attention to schools. In the end, I need you to run for office. School boards are important. Cut a che- I know cutting checks to school board candidates is way non-sexy, but totally important. So anyway... My brothers and sisters and faith, family, and schools, we're going to make this place better. It is America's road back, but it's going to take time. I'm going to say the word patience a lot, which will probably frustrate some of you, but we're not turning a small little Chris Craft speedboat. We're turning the biggest oil tanker you ever saw in your life. That's how this works. I've, I've seen it. I've seen people try to change cities, counties, school boards, and this problem is way bigger. Because it's much more people, much more bureaucracies, and it's been going on for, oh, I just told you, 50, 60 years. That's a big oil tanker to turn. But we can do it together. So concentrate. What can I do in my little part of the world to improve faith, family, schools? All right. Thank you for your time today. Everyone, keep up the good work. Keep watching the uh, podcasts. Hit us at faithfamilyschools at gmail.com. And I want to hear your feedback. And I also, if there's someone who's making it happen in faith, family, and schools in your community or on the national stage, let us know and we'll get them on the show. So, all right, everyone, have an amazing day. And we'll see you on the next episode of Faith, Family, and Schools, America's Roadback.